Thanks for listening to the Campus Collective Podcast. As always, we pray that this resource is a helpful supplement for you as a follower of Jesus and as an active member in your local church. We love God's design for His church, and we believe that this resource could never substitute the incredible things that come from active involvement with a community of believers. Campus Collective is a ministry of Huntington Community Church. To learn more, visit our website at HuntingtonCommunityChurch.com. The the point of these sermons, as we continue to work through all of Mark 4 throughout this entire school year, the point of these sermons is to show off the glory of God. And so far, we've gotten to see Jesus bring the kingdom, His kingdom, into our world. And we want you to know, we want all of you to leave here following Jesus. We are convinced that He is worth it. We want you to give up your entire life for Him. His kingdom is real. And this is incredible news for those of us who call Him King and have surrendered our life to Him. And it is terrifying news for those of you who reject Him. If you remember last week, Jesus is the strong man. And if you aren't with Him, you are against Him. And listen, some of you all need to stop playing and decide on that tonight. And as we just kind of let that sit on us, we get a chance to slow down in Mark 4 and see some teaching from Jesus that will guide us and really just shapes Jesus' life for the kingdom. We're going to get to see something called parables. If you're taking notes, it's an important uh, thing to know and remember as we continue to go through Mark. Um, You're going to see Jesus teach parables. And after he teaches a few parables, at the end of the chapter, you're probably going to hear a pretty familiar story. Um, If you're familiar with the claims of Jesus or you've been around church at all, it's going to be a story that you have probably heard before. And I am going to challenge us to not make that story about us. We're going to let it be about Jesus. I cannot wait to get there. Um, But the title tonight, if you... If you do want um, for your notes, the title is just this. It's when Jesus says, listen. When Jesus says, listen. He is literally going to tell his followers to listen. And whenever we see that, really anytime the Bible is preached, but especially when Jesus starts out teaching and says, listen, you need to know you should lean in tonight. These teachings are going to show us the way of the kingdom, and they have huge implications for your life for your identity, who you are at your deepest level, for your purpose, what you are supposed to do with your life. Jesus is going to say things like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that statement, when you see that, you need to know that it is a tragedy, but some of you will come tonight, you will hear the gospel, and you will leave, you will walk away bored and unmoved. But if you will come in faith and humility, you too can have ears to hear the truth that can set you free tonight. Like, do you believe it? Do you come in to sit under the preaching of the Word and realize tonight could literally be a life-changing moment for every single one of us? The power of God's Word in and through the people of the Word can change our campus. I want you to be about that. So let's lean in tonight and give it everything we have. Can you imagine what would happen if we all leave here completely convinced that Jesus is king and his his worthiness, his kingdom is worth living our lives for? That's what we're going for. So let's look at verse 1. We're going to go 1 through 9, and what this is going to do is give a framework parable for all of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. It begins like this. 
Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, there's that word. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, Jesus begins just teaching by the sea again. It just seems like Jesus loves the sea. I don't, I don't, there's not really any other profound uh, point behind that. I just love seeing little things about Jesus. And I love that verse 1 even starts out, again, he began to teach by the sea. So Jesus loves the ocean. Okay, moving on. Um, but I also really love to see how Jesus reacts to crowds in his ministry life. You ever notice this? Normally it just seems like when a big crowd comes to watch the Jesus show, he says something really hard, it just blows them up. Uh, if you've read in other Gospels when Jesus feeds the 5,000, they're all excited and it's, you know, somehow he took like a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 people and all these people are like, yeah, we love Jesus. And he's like, all right, if you want to follow me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Not all of them are signing up for that. And you might not even know that's in your Bible, but it is. You can check that, Google it later. But the point is that Jesus seems really intent on not letting crowds define his ministry. And it is so crucial that you don't link your walk with Christ to crowds. There are some of you who put on your Tuesday or your Sunday show, but your life is a wreck of sin when you leave this building. Please understand, Jesus is interested in followers, not big crowds. But with this big crowd, he takes an opportunity to teach them, and he teaches them with many parables. Uh, you can, if you want a definition for a parable, you can just think a little story that illustrates a truth. And in Jesus' case, he uses these parables to teach his followers about the kingdom of God. So it starts out, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So when Jesus says listen, that means we should listen. And now we start this interesting parable that is literally designed to explain the nature of the kingdom of God. So here's a summary for you. If, you. if you didn't catch all of it through that first read-through, here's what we have. We have a sower, and the sower sows seeds. That seems fairly obvious. But as he sows seeds, it's like a tongue twister kind of, as he sows seeds, it is going to fall along four different types of soil. Did you catch that? The first soil are seeds that fall along the path. And what happens to those? Birds came and devour the seeds. The second thing is the seeds fall on rocky ground, and there's not a lot of soil. They spring up really quick, but the sun comes out and they get scorched because they had no depth of roots, and they wither away. The third, some scattering of seeds fall among thorns, and you see what happens there. They get choked out. The growth of them gets choked out, and they do not produce grain. But the fourth soil is good soil, 
and it grows and it yields fruit. It says 30, 60, and 100 fold. And this is how the kingdom of God works. Do you understand it? (laughs) And I love this, that he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus says this a lot to mean this. Only those in his kingdom will let these messages truly change them. And when we say truly change them, we mean receive them by faith. People of faith in Christ who are in his kingdom will truly hear these words and it will truly change their lives. But thankfully for us, the next passage, Jesus literally explains this parable. So in verses 10 through 20, we're going to get an explanation of this parable and what realities are important for us to know as it has to do with the kingdom. So as we work through these verses, and I'm going to get really mad at this. Hang on a second. Let's talk amongst yourselves for a second. This will make no sense on the podcast, so sorry, everybody listening. Okay. I think it's like three people and my mom, so we'll be good. All right. Um, So as we work through these verses, I want to take moments to stop and realize just how important this is. When Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God, he is teaching us about the rule and the reign of God. You need to understand, Jesus has already come. So his kingdom is already here, but it's not yet complete. Every time that you obey in faith or someone else repents and believes the gospel, we are advancing the kingdom. We should be about the kingdom, and the point is Jesus the King. So we'll let this explanation of the parable show us truths that should help us examine our own hearts, give us needed information for our mission, and maybe even help you make sense of your own experience as you've related to Jesus throughout your life. So let's look at this. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So Jesus reaches back into an Old Testament prophecy here to show the reason that he teaches in parables. And it's, it's a harsh reason. It is so people who truly want to know the truth can seek it, and it is meant to keep those away who don't really want it. And this happens every time the gospel is preached. You know this. It happens every week in this room. The gospel will go out, the same message of Jesus' death and resurrection. Some of you will see your sin and repent and go all in with him, and some of you will be offended, some of you will never come back, and some of you just leave bored. It's the same message, but what's different? The heart that's receiving it. The same gospel that will move others toward Christ will repel others, and this is the nature of gospel ministry. And you can't explain it either. You think about your experience in ministry. You've seen this happen. The person you've shared Jesus with all of a sudden seems interested, but then you'll share it the exact same way, and that person can't stand you. Jesus makes the point that the followers of Jesus have the secrets of the kingdom of God. And I don't want you to let this get too mystical, okay? When you hear secrets, just know that the secret is Jesus Christ and faith in him. This is how you enter the kingdom of God. And he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So clearly the disciples didn't quite get it yet either. And now we get to see these truths found in this parable shape our understanding of how the kingdom of God works. 
And I want to let you know, as we get ready to listen to this parable, this should have a piercing effect on all of us. The question that you need to wrestle with tonight is asking yourself which type of soil is in your heart. Listen, the Bible is clear that true faith is persevering faith. Jesus is not after hype men and hype women. He doesn't need that. He's not after people who just say they believe in him and then live the rest of their life as if the world is better than his kingdom. So, also, he's not after perfect people. Your status in the kingdom is dependent upon your status with the king. So are you with him in faith or against him in your pride and your rebellion? Jesus died for our sins. He rose again. He is alive right now. And the response is in faith and repentance. So with that being said, let's look as Jesus explains this parable. The first sentence, the sower sows the word. So the sower is Jesus or anyone who preaches the gospel through proclaiming the good news of what Jesus has done. This can be what I'm doing right now. This can be in a private conversation or whatever means we have to tell people the truth about Jesus with an invitation to respond. So a few realities already. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, we have to be sowing seed. This is the essence of ministry. You use your life to make the truth of the gospel known to people. What a beautiful thing that we've been invited into. A person's heart is the factor in how they receive the gospel, and we don't know their heart. So it's time to sow the word. Listen, every single person you have met on campus or you saw today has a heart that needs Jesus. So the question is, what are the sowers of the word going to do about it? And as we do this, some of y'all need to sit there and realize this. As a follower of Jesus, what we do is sow the seed. Your life is meant to display the gospel, not just in loving actions, but with open proclamation of the truth of who he is. And then we're going to get a chance for him to break down the responses of what you might encounter. Maybe even some of the responses that we'll see in this room tonight. Here we go. The master teacher himself is going to teach this to us. And these are the ones along the path. So this is what he meant by the, the seeds that fell along the path, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So these are the people that you encounter, that you you meet, that have hard hearts. Um, You see a kingdom reality here already? Like, we are in a spiritual war. Do you realize this? When When you share the gospel with someone and they completely reject it, you need to understand that Satan himself is on a counter attack. God's kingdom is advancing, but evil is still in our world. That is why we must fight the fight of ministry with prayer and grace and mercy and the gospel. Do not take this lightly. We don't just do ministry for the fun of it. It's not that good of a hobby. This is true spiritual warfare. This matters. When someone rejects the gospel, it is the enemy, the epitome of evil himself, taking the seed away. Listen, I want to speak to those of you right now that are just content with letting this war go on around you. You need to understand, Satan doesn't want the people that you love to receive the gospel. And maybe some of you tonight, Satan does not want you to receive the gospel and let it change you. There isn't a neutral stance in the kingdom. You are either for 
Jesus or you are for Satan. Now listen, I know that sounds harsh. Because some of you have walked in here thinking you're doing just fine. But you need to understand, just giving lip service to Christianity because you grew up in church does not mean you were on the side of Jesus. It's faith and repentance in Him. Being indifferent about Jesus is cosmic treason. You deserve, you deserve to be away from God forever for rejecting the King. And it is an act of grace when God binds Satan from blinding people. You realize that? If you're a believer in the room right now, God himself kept that seed from getting snatched. Someone preached the gospel to you, whether it was someone who cared enough about you to pray for you for years, if it was some church camp with a bonfire, whatever it was, you need to know that it was an act of spiritual warfare and Jesus won your heart. And he can do it for the people that you care about. But it is war. This is why we don't come in here and relax. It's why the sermons aren't ten minutes long. This is eternity that we are talking about. We need help for this kingdom ministry. Just for a heart check here, don't let your personal sin or your lack of fervor for the Lord give Satan a foothold in your heart. Don't do it. Next one. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. So Jesus is going to teach us what this means. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. This is what I meant when Jesus isn't after hype men and women. You need to understand, this is a terrifying reality. There are people who will receive the gospel with joy. But it is clearly a shallow faith. It's a faith built only on emotion. Now watch what happens to people like this. Look at the next verse. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So they endure for a while, but when suffering comes, when things get hard, it's over. Jesus meant good, easy, comfortable life to the rocky-hearted people. Do you know people like this? That they're all in with Jesus as long as he makes everything go like they think it should? Listen, you need to understand, if you are on this side of persecution, which I'm going to argue most of us being in a country where direct persecution is not happening to us, we are on this side of persecution, and maybe we'll never see it in the ways it is all around the world, but you need to understand some important realities for you as a follower of Christ. This one is this. Suffering will come to all people, especially God's people. This suffering is for your good. This suffering is designed to expose your heart's allegiance. And if your faith is shallow, meaning you aren't really in Christ alone, you will fall away. Please listen to me. You need to prepare your heart for suffering. Nobody wakes up one day and thinks, you know what, I think a trial that I experienced today will just kill my faith. No one does that. On this side of suffering, prepare, anchor yourself in the Word, in the grace of God to be ready. It's coming. This isn't a fear tactic to make you feel guilty. This is just the truth about the kingdom of God in an evil world. You must be ready. And please hear this. This isn't meant for me to make you question your salvation. 
It's not how the Bible works. We want you to work out your salvation. We want you to prove your salvation with obedience. We want you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I also want you to not fall away. So are you in? Are you out with Jesus? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant social embarrassment for the rest of your life? What if it meant losing your life? You realize this is the reality for so many of our brothers and sisters around the world. You know that? You've got siblings across the globe that just for doing what we're doing tonight could get them killed. You need to reckon in your own heart how you really feel about persecution and ask yourself, is Jesus worth it to you? Third soil. And others are the ones sown among thorns. This is one of the more devastating. This is the one I see more than anything else in college ministry. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So here we see another issue in the hearts of people, maybe even in your heart tonight. You hear the word, maybe you've even agreed with the word, but you find the world to be better and more important than Jesus. I've seen this happen with friends of mine. Like, I have this one person in particular that I have literally seen them lead people to Christ. And the last text I have with them is, you know what, I'm just done with Jesus. Now they want nothing to do with him. Please see this for what it is. The cares of the world are a threat to the hearts of people. Check your heart right now. Would you rather sin one time, kind of like a hidden easy sin, or have a million dollars? Think about it. Would you rather obey God or disobey God in an easy, subtle way if that meant you can have a million dollars? Would you rather have your integrity or never want or need anything ever again? Would you keep quiet on the gospel if it meant being liked by every single person you've ever met? Is the popularity of your friend group more important to you than following Jesus? Please hear this. The cares of the world can choke out your faith. It can choke out your fake faith. So how do we fight against this? You have to constantly go after more of Jesus so that the world isn't sweet anymore. You need to understand the people that we're reaching, they need to be warned about the cares of the world. Jesus is not interested in being a spiritual add-on to a life full of selfish pleasure-seeking. He's not. When he says, follow me, he doesn't just mean, let me be your mascot. Let's make sure that he isn't just a spiritual add-on in our lives. Alright, good news now. Soil four. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So here's the good soil. This is what we want. This is what we want to see. They hear it. They accept it. They bear fruit. This is the faith that we should be praying for. And I want you to get excited about this. Do you realize that one person that you're praying for, that one person that you're trying to reach, what happens if the gospel lands on the good soil of their heart and they reach 100 people? <laughs> This is what we can see in people as men and women of the kingdom. There might be good soil. 
This this should get you up in the morning. This should make you excited about ministry. Just as sure as there will be bad soil, there will be good soil, but we're not going to know unless we sow the seed. Also, please understand this, that people with hearts like this in the fourth soil can still struggle with fear, can still struggle with fearing persecution, and can still struggle with caring about the world. But the true soil of good faith and a good heart always rises to the top. So beg the Lord for this type of heart every single time you hear the word. And beg him for this every time you spread the seed of the gospel. Okay, that feels like the end of the sermon. We've got to keep going, though. Verse 21. Here's a, here's a point that Jesus is going to make about the kingdom. It's another parable. Here's the point for your notes. Listen. Lamps go on stands. Okay, it's going to make sense in a minute. But that's what you need to know about the kingdom. And he's about to make it clear. Look at verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? <laughs> the answer that Jesus wants is, Stand. You don't put a lamp under a basket or under a bed. So what does this show us about the kingdom? Look at the next verse. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, here it is again, let him hear. So here's a few notes on this. The purpose of the kingdom light is to expose things. It will expose the sin in your hearts, and you need to understand that God sees everything. Jesus is the light of the kingdom. Jesus is the lamp. So how do we see the point about our king and the kingdom in this? The first thing you need to see is that we should not hide him. In your own life, don't let the beds and baskets of embarrassment and shame keep you from letting the lamp shine in and through you. If you grew up in church, you have a song stuck in your head right now. Hide it under a bush. Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Anybody? Four of you. Sweet. Um, thinking maybe we could sing that afterwards tonight, Jake, wherever you are. Um, But no, but there is a good point here. Jesus is saying that the king and the kingdom is a light that we should not hide. But I also love this. Do you see it? It's also something that can't be hidden. Everything secret will be made manifest, and as we await the fullness of his kingdom when he returns, more and more of his glory and his light is going to come out. You want to do kingdom ministry, let the light shine in your words and in your actions. And then he lands this parable with an incredible truth about seeking the Lord. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Listen. This is what the Bible teaches. The more truth about the kingdom that you love and cherish and obey, the more that the Lord will reveal to you. Obey the king, advance his kingdom. What ways can we let the light shine on our campus and even in your own life? It is not enough to just hear and agree with the lamp. You have to worship the lamp with your life. Know this. Lamps go on stands. Verse 26. Here's the other thing you've got to know. The kingdom will grow. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed, there's that seed idea again, on the ground. And he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because they have harvest, puts on the sickle, because they, the harvest has come. Look at a few realities here. The kingdom of God is going to grow, and we're really not going to know how it works. (laughs) It's a mysterious process where the Lord somehow uses broken people pushing his word forward to change hearts and to grow them. 
It's not about you getting the right words to say. You need to let this parable free you. You scatter seed, you work hard, but there will be a harvest time. When you scatter seed, God does the growth. And at some point, it's harvest time. Then it's over. And this sickle imagery here would invoke the end of the age when Jesus returns. There will be a time when the kingdom comes in full, and then it will be too late. But that day has not happened yet, so we should have relentless urgency. So seeds the kingdom will grow let me give you one verse a couple verses in first corinthians then we'll hit the last parable this first corinthians 3 paul illustrates this idea he says i planted apollos watered but god gave the growth so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only god who gives the growth so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only god who gives the growth sorry repeated that what in the world okay he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It's the idea. It doesn't matter what you are. If you're the sower, you're the waterer, God gives the growth. All right, last thing you need to know about the kingdom. It will start small, but it will take over the world. Verse 30. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus continues his teaching by simply asking what he can compare the kingdom of God to. What can we compare the rule and reign of God taking over hearts until he returns to end evil and suffering and sin forever? Jesus says it's like the tiniest seed of all time. (laughs) It's like the tiniest seed. But when you plant it, it grows to the biggest tree in the garden. And the people from all nations, a lot of scholars would say the birds represent the peoples of the nations, will rest in the kingdom. When we say the kingdom of God is taking over the world, we aren't just trying to pump you up. What Jesus started with investing in 12 and one of them betrayed him is a global glory plan that ends with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation in the kingdom. Have you, you understand this? Like, this started with 12 guys in the Middle East. And here we are, worshiping that king. We are crazy enough to believe that against all odds, the kingdom will grow. Like, Christians are crazy people. You realize that? We believe that a Jewish carpenter from the Middle East claimed to die for our sins, rose again, is going to return on a horse, and that kingdom is what we want to give our lives to. And we believe that it is going to look like it has no chance of growing, but nothing will be able to stop it. Look at this room. This ministry started four years ago with a list of three students on a notepad. The plant's growing. I want you to please slow down and consider your life. If you are already all in with the kingdom, let me me speak to you. Don't give up. God gives the growth. All of your tiny efforts for the kingdom end with our king coming back. And if you aren't all in yet, why? Why would you give yourself to power or fame or riches or pleasure, things that burn up when Jesus the king returns? So, here are the things you need to know about the kingdom. And then we're going to end with the familiar story. He wants you to listen to these things. 
You should sow the word. You should guard your own heart from rocks and thorns. You should pray that the Lord gives the people you are reaching good soil in their hearts. Lamps go on stands. We must show the light of the gospel to everyone, and the light will expose things that are hidden. You need to know that the kingdom will grow. God is not after our talent. He is after our faithfulness. And you need to know that the kingdom will start small, but it will take over the world. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, it kind of gives you biblical whiplash here. We get a familiar story about Jesus. So we're going to end here and see the gospel. I want you to behold Jesus as we get ready to go into worship and finishing out our night. I don't want you to leave here just pumped up about our mission. I want you to adore the king. Look at verse 35. On that day when evening had come, so long day of teaching, he says to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. He ends his day of teaching, takes his disciples on another boat trip, and you already know, if it's near a sea, Jesus is about to do something incredible, right? And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So a great storm's hitting their boat. Just a note, following Jesus is not always going to be easy. But look at this. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Please understand the beauty of this, though. Jesus is so at peace with the sovereign will of his Father that he can sleep on a storm. Don't make this look like he is indifferent. He is showing you the type of peace that is possible when you fully surrender to God. But the disciples thought he didn't care. Look what they say. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Seems like a normal response to your Lord being asleep while you're terrified. But they didn't see this situation by faith. Look at, look at what he says. As the band, you can come on back up as we consider this. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So notice that Jesus the King, he commands the weather and it obeys. And you can leave this story being happy that Jesus can calm the storms in your own life. But you need to understand that is not the point of the miracle stories. You need to understand, your storms might not go away. You could fall out of the boat. Following Jesus and trusting him is not like a giant trust fall where like you just, you know, reckless abandon fall and then Jesus catches you. Sometimes he lets you fall so you can see the perspective from down there. That is not the point. The point is to see the glory of the king and his kingdom. Jesus' kingdom broke through when he told the winds to stop. And in his kingdom there is no chaos, there are no storms. But for now, storms are here. And the biggest storm isn't out there. The biggest storm is in your heart. The, our sin is the brokenness that our king is coming to undo now. The kingdom we have talked about is against you if you haven't surrendered to this king. So the question is, as we get ready to pray, if the winds and the seas obey him, why won't you? He will return. He will bring his kingdom in full. There really will be no more storms and no more fear. Only faith and joy in him forever. And that is the kingdom that's taking over the world. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that as we have heard your word, Lord, I just pray that you would keep Satan far from this place. God, we know you are strong. 
Lord, give the hearts in this room good soil that you would use us to increase your kingdom 30, 60, 100-fold. Lord, do whatever it takes tonight, whatever sin we need to repent of, whatever relationship we need to fix, whatever promise we need to believe, whatever command to obey, whatever it is, God, I pray you would not let this be another routine Tuesday night, but that you would just overwhelm us with your kingdom. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.